This is Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. On this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works, such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. Last week, we discussed a disease which impaired the ability to perceive the color orange, but in this episode, we'll be shifting our focus to an adjacent hue on the color spectrum, because this week we will be analyzing The Red Death from Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Mask of the Red Death. We're going to start things off with a basic overview of the plot of The Mask of the Red Death. The kingdom in which the story takes place is being overrun with a deadly pandemic known as the Red Death. As a precaution, the prince of the kingdom, Prince Prospero, fully secludes himself and his closest knights and ladies into his abbey. A few months into this isolation, Prince Prospero and his guests have an extravagant ball. However, at this ball, a mysterious figure shows up dressed in a way that makes them look like a victim of the Red Death. Upon trying to pursue him, Prince Prospero is stabbed by the figure. When the rest of the guests try to gang up on the figure, they realize that there isn't a tangible person beneath the costume. Red Death itself has made its way into the abbey, and everyone present drops dead. Man, I haven't felt this emo since middle school. I I chime in with a... (laughs) So we're going to take a look at the Red Death from a medical perspective in regards to how it relates to other diseases, as well as from a perspective in regards to how it's artistically implemented within the work and the morality of its usage. But first, we can take a look at what the Red Death symptoms specifically are within the opening paragraph of the story, which states, The Red Death had long devastated the country. No pestilence had ever been so fatal or so hideous. Blood was its avatar and its seal, the redness and the horror of blood. There were sharp pains and sudden dizziness, and then profuse bleeding at the pores with dissolution. The scarlet stains upon the body and especially upon the face of the victim were the pest ban which shut him out from the aid and from the sympathy of his fellow men. And the whole seizure, progress, and termination of the disease were the incidents of half an hour. So different literary analysts have likened the Red Death to different real-world illnesses. R.H. Waring, G.B. Steventon, and S.C. Mitchell in the introduction to their book Molecules of Death liken the Red Death to viral hemorrhagic fevers and necrotizing fasciitis. Viral hemorrhagic fevers, also known as VHFs, are severe multi-system syndromes, meaning that multiple organ systems in the body are affected by the virus. Humans don't naturally host these viruses, but we can become infected when we come into contact with another infected host. Once infected, though, we can transmit these viruses to one another. VHFs damage the circulatory system, also known as the cardiovascular system or the vacular system, and impair the body's self-regulation. In addition, a common symptom of VHFs is hemorrhaging. In comparison to Red Death, Waring, Steventon, and Mitchell note that while these fevers typically infect and kill in several days rather than the Red Death's half an hour, the internal hemorrhage does cause very apparent bleeding from the mucous membranes and feverish feelings of dizziness and just general deterioration of the state of the body. They also liken Red Death to necrotizing fasciitis. Fun fact about necrotizing fasciitis, it is also known colloquially by the same name that girls used to call me in high school. What name is that, James? Flesh-eating disease. Ha 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 ha. Anyway, <laughs> necrotizing fasciitis is a quickly spreading bacterial skin infection that kills soft tissue in the body. Necrotizing means causing the death of tissues. 
The microbes which infect the body produce an enzyme called hyaluronidase, which breaks down connective tissue, making it easier and more efficient for the microbes to invade the rest of the body. Necrotizing fasciitis is deadly in a short amount of time if not treated right away with antibiotics and surgery. The bacteria group A strep is the most common cause of necrotizing fasciitis. And it's generally contracted by not properly caring for wounds. The symptoms of necrotizing fasciitis start within a few hours and include pain or soreness, kind of like a pulled muscle, a red or purplish color of the skin, swelling, ulcers, blisters, black spots on the skin, and later, if not treated, other symptoms include fever, chills, fatigue, and vomiting and eventually organs begin failing. Like red death, necrotizing fasciitis is a fast-acting disease that can cause death. Similarities also exist between the two in regards to physical symptoms on the skin. Initially, there are lesions on the skin, but in the case of necrotizing fasciitis, they aren't red, they're purple. Did somebody say violet pride? I certainly did not. <laughs> Necrotizing fasciitis basically causes a breakdown of the cells of the skin as well as the underlying muscle. So the effects on the skin caused by necrotizing fasciitis largely resemble those of the Red Death. However, instead of death occurring within a half an hour in the case of the Red Death, death usually occurs with necrotizing fasciitis within 24 to 96 hours. However, because it breaks down cells, the speed at which the microbes invade the body increases exponentially. So time is sort of still a terrifying aspect of the disease. And the final disease which we will be comparing to Red Death is Black Death. It's the Black Death, and it's coming for you. Black Death is probably the disease to which most readers would immediately liken the Red Death. Black death is a concept which, no pun intended, is driven to death in just about any history class that features Europe during the Middle Ages. Um, but we'll still explain what it is since some people may not be familiar with it. For instance, my freshman year when I was on my high school speech team, I had a joke in my speech that made a reference to black death, and one of my judges wrote on my critique sheet, and I kid you not, black death? Is that a race thing? <laughs> oh my gosh. If you don't know what it is, don't feel bad because there are people worse off than you. <laughs> Black Death came about from fleas which had been infected from rats. People typically associate Black Death with the bubonic plague since it was the most prominent form, but Black Death actually encompasses three different varieties of plague. Bubonic plague caused swelling, specifically in the lymph system and lymph nodes in the armpit and groin region. And as noted by one of my professors here at NYU, Professor Daniel Utah, who promo teaches uh, cultures and context for urban life in the European city, he notes that bubonic plague was spread through flea bites and generally not from person to person. Pneumonic plague, also known as pulmonary plague, causes the lungs to fill with fluid. This form can be transmitted from person to person easily through coughing plague bacteria into the air. And the final variant is septicemic plague, which causes poisoning of the bloodstream. Like the bubonic plague, this variant is also spread more commonly through animals that are hosts rather than from other people. English professor Michael J. Cummings notes that while septicemic plague was the least common of the three forms, it was the variety which most closely resembled the Red Death. Septicemic plague entails feverish symptoms and weakness, skin turning purple and then eventually black, abdominal pain, and bleeding into the skin and other organs. Whereas bubonic plague, which is most commonly associated with black death, occurs when bacteria infect the lymph system, which is a major component of the body's immune system, and includes organs such as the tonsils, adenoids, spleen, and thymus. 
The disease is contracted from an infected flea bite, as well as when the bacteria on a piece of clothing or some other item used by a person with the plague enters someone else's body through a skin opening. However, it is rarely spread from person to person. Symptoms occur within three to seven days of exposure and include flu-like symptoms such as fever, headache, chills, weakness, and swollen or tender lymph glands. In comparing the Black Death to the Red Death, Black Death had a societal impact notably similar to the Red Death. Post states that the Red Death had killed off half of Prince Prospero's kingdom at the point when he secluded himself in his abbey. Similarly, Black Death swept across nearly all of Europe in a matter of about nine years, and while the death toll estimates vary considerably, the actual figure is unquestionably a sizable and significant one. However, that figure applies to all variants of plague, and the death toll for septicemic plague was considerably smaller. Additionally, septicemic plague did not spread as quickly between people as the Red Death since it was typically transmitted by direct contact with plague-infected tissue or bodily fluids. Additionally, much like how Prince Prospero's isolation from the Red Death was ultimately ineffective, quarantining practices which were implemented against Black Death were only effective against the pneumonic plague, since that was the variant which was transmitted directly between humans. Quarantining was not an effective precaution against bubonic plague or septicemic plague, since that came from flea bites. Poe described blood to be the most prominent feature and element of the Red Death. Blood was the key defining aspect of the figure's mask and costume, which made it appear as if it were a Red Death victim. Poe's description of the figure states, His vesture was dabbled in blood, and his broad brow, with all the features of the face, was besprinkled with the scarlet horror. Septicemic plague is characterized by poisoning of the bloodstream, so the descriptions of Red Death align well with septicemic plague. Professor Daniel Utah also notes that the name Black Death came about because the swellings which came about from the bubonic plague would eventually turn the skin black. And accordingly, a victim of the Red Death displayed apparent bleeding and red skin, so the name is appropriate. There are other comparisons to be made as well. Kenneth Silverman, in his book Edgar Allan Poe, Mournful and Never-Ending Remembrance, suggests that Red Death may have been inspired by tuberculosis, since at the time the story was written, Poe's wife Virginia was suffering from TB, and his mother, brother, and foster mother had all previously died of TB. Jeffrey Myers suggests in his book, Edgar Allan Poe, His Life and Legacy, that the Red Death may have been inspired by cholera, since the story was published in 1842, and Poe was living in Baltimore at the time of an outbreak of cholera there in 1831. Exactly. The cholera showed up and was like... So that's why that song's melody is so infectious. To clarify, that was a high five and not Jennifer slapping me. I wish it were the latter. However, the symptoms of these illnesses do not resemble the Red Death as closely. All right, now get ready, because now we're about to get all emo by analyzing the actual literature of Edgar Allan Poe. Jennifer, bust out the Brendan Urie. I chime in with a in the story, Red Death is used as a sort of symbol used to convey the inevitability of death. And there are aspects of the story that confirm that argument. Intense quarantining is seen to be ineffective against the Red Death, which makes its way into the Abbey despite the immense security which had been enforced to keep it out. Also, the Abbey's rooms are structured in such a way that they progress from east to west in the same way that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. It's no coincidence that the black, death-like room is the westernmost one. So in this sense, the Abbey's architectural structure mirrors the way that a person passes through their stages of life, and Prince Prospero makes his way through all of them from east to west just before he's killed. 
All of these details contribute to the idea that Poe is trying to suggest that death comes to us all. We've just come to bring everyone down on a Saturday afternoon. I am already depressed. Just remember it's the weekend. Now, since the disease is being used for metaphorical purposes to convey a message about humankind as a whole rather than about something related to the disease itself, it makes more sense to create a fictional disease rather than use a real one in this case. Poe is trying to make the argument that no person can evade death, no matter the precautions, it reaches everyone. Therefore, he needed to create a condition which, in the world of his story, genuinely did affect everyone. Red death, a fictional illness, is representative of death as a whole, which affects all people. A real illness like cholera would not have been a good representative of the inevitability of death because it does not affect all people in our world. Therefore, inventing a fictional illness which affected everyone in the setting was Poe's best approach. In addition to considering the morality behind Poe's decisions, we can also consider the morality of the characters in the story. The interesting thing about this show being about fictional illnesses is that by isolating themselves so securely, Prince Prospero's knights and ladies were almost trying to convince themselves that the Red Death was fictional. The character's isolation resembles humans' tendencies to believe in their own invincibility. We sometimes think that we are untouchable by illness and death when, in all reality, it is impossible to avoid death. Misfortune comes to each of us in one way or another, whether we anticipate it or not. And Edgar Allan Poe demonstrates this belief as well, because according to Kenneth Silverman, when Poe's wife Virginia was suffering from tuberculosis, Poe attempted to ignore the eventual deadly effect it would have. So, for the sake of preventing tragedy from becoming any more painful than it needs to be, we ought to be considerate of which illnesses genuinely are and are not fictional. Well, that's all we have to say for now, but what do you think? Do you have a question or a contribution to today's discussion? Do you know of a fictional illness that you'd like us to talk about? Do you have personal experience with a condition similar to a fictional one which you'd like to discuss? If so, send us an email at afflictionfiction at wnyu.org. For now, I'm Jennifer Horlick. And I'm James Ewer. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Good Morning Baltimore was written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman and is property of New Line Records. I Write Sins Not Tragedies was written by Ryan Ross, Brendan Urie, and Spencer Smith and is property of Fueled by Ramen. The Black Death was written by Wayne and Carrie Kirkpatrick and is property of Ghost Light Records. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson and is property of Warp Records. 